Welcome back to Game Investing Pirate Radio. Hopper here. Happy birthday, Super Mario. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Super Mario. Happy birthday from America. So I understand that he was born in Japan 35 years ago in one day because today's September 13th, 2020, which is actually September 14th in Japan, but uh, good enough, close enough for government work. So my present to you, Dr. Mario, King Mario, Super Mario, is I'm going to pull up my Microsoft Word file 37-page document of the book that I started writing in Corona when I had a bipolar manic episode. I've often started many, many books in episodes, and uh, this one is the longest one that I've ever continued through. Usually they fizzle out around page 7 or 8, 5 or 6, maybe 10 or 11. This was the first book of dozens. I've started screenplays, poems, books, you name it. They're all in some file somewhere, some computer somewhere. But this is the one that I consider priceless. And if there's an origin story of this podcast, Super Mario, this one's for you. This is the beginning of where everything started way before Grayton Games, way before wanting to build a warehouse, way before wanting to move to California near Silicon Valley, way before trying to buy a piece of land, getting it into contract, getting in, you know, a million dollars worth of office condominiums into contract, and then everything falling out of escrow and blah, blah, blah. You can uh, catch up on that drama on the second episode. And uh, for today, let's keep it happy. The only problem is it's going to be really long and unorganized because the book is, I wouldn't even call it a rough draft. It's more of a mix of notes and I guess I would call it like a book proposal, rough draft notes. So like, for example, let's start on the first page. Learning styles is everything. First sentence, that basically means I need to rewrite the book to cater to the three learning styles. Uh, one style likes bulleted points, another style likes a story, and then um, I can't remember the third style, but I think it's the why. So you start off the chapter with a why, you tell a story, and then at the end of the chapter you write bullet points. The second sentence I have is fear versus greed, and I'm just gonna start rattling off some things. Warren Buffett, podcasts, oh, that's funny. I ended up starting a podcast. I got notes here that say study a podcast. What do you think of that, Super Mario? It happened. How weird. Talkers, YouTubers, speakers, readers, investors, writers, kinesthetic shopkeepers, show warriors. Uh, Nerdy Girl Comics comes to mind. Thank you for introducing video games to the Comic-Con community. My dream actually with this book before the podcast was to take my 10 or 20 spider-man portfolio set up a table put my book out front and wait for people to ask me questions i had no idea i was going to open a podcast get on tiktok start a youtube channel whatever start a new ava store 
and continue going and, and spending, you know, an EIDL and a hundred grand into what became NES basically over the last few months. So we want to take a look at great investors. We want to talk about failure, developers, IMMR haptics. I don't even know what that means. going to have to Google that one. Three scissors, Mario. Get the scissors out. Cut open the world on physical video game. Okay. Art. Now we get to the cover of the book. And uh, I was so lucky during one of my bipolar episodes. My mom took me by this famous artist studio. And it was like the one moment I felt at peace. And uh, I, I'm not going to mention his name, but uh, he's a heavy hitter. I guess I thought maybe I could ask him to do the art of the book. Um, I just hope he has good health for many, many years. I do follow him on Instagram. And um, yeah, that would make the book. So it's called Investing in Video Games. I guess it might be Retailed Game Investing, Rock, Paper, Scissors, John Atchison, MBA. Okay, so the pizzazz, the beginning is, yeah, the black box sold for 100K. That's probably going to get changed to a, a Mario video game sold for a million dollars. So I'd like, I'd like it to be released then. We go into the Pawn Star thing. Uh, we talk about, you know, the top 10 on eBay, top 10 on Heritage, all the big ones. And um, talk about uh, grading, fun, rarity, supply and demand, the big one, WADA. Um, ultra rare, investing world, collecting, chasms, 3D versus 2D art, going into the cartridges and the development and the uh, actual, uh, you know, design, go into stuff like Steve Jobs and uh, Wozniak, designing uh, Super Breakout and getting the number of uh, chips down to get a bonus, but in itself, hardware art. And I think that's a big issue that uh, nobody's really talking about. Um, the hardware itself to me is really the most priceless piece of the art. I know the artwork on the box is beautiful, but we can't go into depth, right? Super Mario, we got to keep this like kind of a side scroller and just keep moving on. Okay. Page three. Um, here's where we get into comps, random house, dark horse, come up, uh, shout out to you guys. I will be pitching to you. There's Kindle, uh, Amazon, um, there's a lot of books that talk about comics, cards, and games, but I couldn't find anything specifically geared towards investment in video games. So that is a weak spot going up to a publisher and saying, you know, I want to make a better book or a longer book or a more in-depth guide. The only thing I could find, Mr. Mint's Insider Guide to Investing in Baseball Cards and Collectibles. So he did mention the word investing in his book, so that might be a model. Uh, Sneakonomics Growth, that's another book. Investing in Collectibles, uh, Turning Your Passion into a Portfolio is another book. Collectible Investments for the High Net Worth Investors is another book. Lots of books on coins and bullion. We're on page four now. Um, talking about number ones. Mario number one, Mega Man number one, Spider-Man number one, Pac-Man number one, Tomb Raider number one. Talk about the history of the first million dollar card, comic history, Classes, skins, characters, build a team to invest, go to battle, sales taxes, rewards, shipping, credit cards, click-throughs, coupons, sales, storage, insurance, shipping, receiving, packing, selling high, sell, buying low, Craigslist, you know, Mercury, Walmart, Heritage, Facebook, Comic-Con, Economic Link, Holy Grail, Backflap, About Me. I'm not going to go into my story. Um, I go into that pages and pages and pages. This is for you, Super Mario. Uh, you know who I am probably. 
assuming you're looking down, um, you're a god, right? So yeah, a, a 1,000 Atari discs, Atari 400 cassette drive, taxes. I happen to be a tax expert. So I think this is important for sophisticated high net worth individuals. Um, you know, inheritance taxes, sales taxes, income taxes, capital gains taxes. Those are all issues when you get into the high net worth uh, portfolio type investing. I'm waiting for registry sets. And then we can walk that down to like hobby business, reseller, dealer, open your own game shop, real estate. Uh, my, my rule is own the land. If you're going to open a video game shop, video game warehouse, whatever, even if it's in your house and it's an eBay store, I recommend own the land. Don't buy a condominium where you don't own the land. Make sure you own the land. That's the tricky part with buying an office. Most of the office stuff you see out there in the warehouses below a million dollars, they're oftentimes condos. And uh, you know what that means? HOAs that go up every year. So you're just paying rent again in the form of HOAs and property taxes. Rules of the game, supply and demand, risk versus reward, loss, intrinsic, subjective value, fundamentals. Money's made on the buy side, heavy hitters, market manipulation, strategies, buy and hold. Wayne Gretzky, that's where you skate to where the puck is going. In other words, today Mario's hot, you go to PS2 instead. Half the people right now are trying to scramble for SMBs. A few of the people are thinking about PS2, Wii, uh, OG Xbox. Why invest in video games? I think this is worth going over. Page 10. Have fun, make friends, meet people, connect online, travel, go to events, put money where your passion is, show off your portfolio, have fun collecting, take control of your portfolio, reduce stress, power up your business, career, health, life, declutter, organize, sort, categorize, uh, tetricizing, purging. There's psychological, there's psychological benefits, apparently, of, of what Miyamoto calls kuriya. Kuriya means um, clearing a level. That would be the other Japanese girl that talks about decluttering. Um, there's a psychological benefit for organizing, reorganizing, managing your portfolio, upgrading your portfolio, getting pieces, selling pieces. There is some sort of deep, deep thing in our DNA related to hunting and gathering that somehow gives us satisfaction and joy for simply managing a physical portfolio as opposed to, let's say, a stock portfolio or a bond portfolio, or I guess real estate is physical, but there's a lot of it that's on paper. So the financial side would be paper. So don't overlook the joy of physical management of a portfolio. Here's some other bullet points I've had for the book. This is, uh, again, why invest in video games? Share your passions with your family, friends, and future generations. In other words, donate, you know, to your grandkids, to a museum, to a foundation like uh, the girl who runs Pink Gorilla Games is, is doing for, uh, you know, preserve preservation. Uh, another bullet point, buy back your childhood. Nostalgia. Now everybody knows about this one. Another one, make or lose money while riding emotional roller coasters. Because if you're going to become a sophisticated investor, you're going to have to Ride the ups and the downs, and there is a correction coming. That's when it's going to get exciting. That's when it's either a buyer's chance or you're going to bail out. Your choice. So it's the people that understand the downside and losing money that are going to make it through a correction. So this is a good chance right now to, to uh, you know, make some mistakes while we're still in a blue ocean. I don't know if that changed two days ago, but anyway. 
there are areas in the hobby that are still a blue ocean, okay? How about learn more about video games? I'm learning every day. I started gaming in the 70s, and I'm seeing box art I've never seen in my life. At 53 years old, four decades after I played Pong and Game and & Watch and Night Driver in the arcade, I mean, I'm get, I get to learn about this stuff every day. I'm sober now, so what's my rush? It's the Heritage Auctions. It's, it's eBay, Instagram, and people showing off their collections. So what else can you do as you do that? You develop deeper knowledge in specific areas. Then you get, then you get to be able to specialize. So you can start specializing in subsets, platforms, genres, uh, franchises, characters. And that's where it gets really exciting because, like I said, once you get beyond a few mistakes, you get some knowledge, you get some real wisdom from making some mistakes and getting slaughtered on a few pieces. You understand, well, I'm not going to play in, in that realm anymore. I'm going to move over here with what I know best and stick to this only like kind of me moving from 2600 over to NES, starting with retro cartridges. And and before I got to the black boxes, I had to start at the bottom. And um, that's called a master. You can master a subset, a genre, uh, a platform, uh, a certain grade of a certain game or a variation. Which brings me to the second bullet point. Compete for rarity and or one-of-kind portfolios. So here's, here's where we're starting to talk about that registry set. And I keep pounding this. I, I talk about it over and over and over. But I believe that's the shot that will be heard around the world. The first guy that throws up an Instagram of a matched subset. It's going to be a subset. It's not going to be a complete collection like John Hancock or John, what's his name? Um, He's part of the Metal Jesus crew, and he has one of the largest collections on the West Coast, if not the largest collection. He has multiple master sets. So the question is, who's going to be the first person to put together, let's say, an 8.0 master set, an 8.5 master set, a 9.0 master set, a 9.2468? I don't even know if it's possible, but a 9.817 box, you know, let's say CIB or, or sealed. A black box set. Uh, that brings us to the next bullet point, which is become famous or stay anonymous. So when we see this registry set, the question is, is the person going to give us their name or is it going to be an Instagram handle? So, you know, Mario, black boxes, that's kind of your ticket to celebrity status. Um, I'm really excited for the winner of the uh, 80, what was it, $75,000, $80,000 black box that just uh, sold on Heritage two days ago. So, yeah, I mean, you can you can literally build or buy a portfolio that can kind of make you famous in this small blue ocean we have so far. You can also diversify into physical pop culture and history. Let's say you've been a paper collector your whole life. You collect bonds or stocks or you you work behind the scenes in real estate and finance. And you're moving into the physical world because you think maybe fiat currency, U.S. dollar, euro is coming down. You're watching Warren Buffett move over into Japan yen. You're watching him buy gold. You're listening to Ray Dalio. He's going into gold ETFs and he's, he's buying gold miners and even silver mining companies, which are all based on physical so this is a great way for a, uh, you know, a high net worth uh, investor to diversify 
And Ray Dalio is, is really the best one to talk about the true meaning of diversification. Diversification means across the board. So if you're investing in, let's say, money, that means you're investing in the euro, yen, and the dollar. And you're constantly managing the rotation among those three regions. So, you know, he's, he's recently moving into China, for example. Buffett's moving into Japan. So Ray Dalio's moving. He's selling U.S. dollar assets and moving into China for yuan assets. And Buffett's moving out of U.S. dollar assets into Japan yen assets. So that's another form of diversification. I see another form as virtual versus paper versus physical. So virtual would be your Bitcoins. Uh, paper, that's old school. That's going to be your stocks and bonds. And then you've got uh, um, physical, which generally comes down to coin and currency. But if you look at the back of Heritage uh, Heritage catalogs, it's free to sign up and they'll send you these free, beautiful color catalogs. If you look, I'm pulling up uh, mine right here. If you look at the back, there's a whole list um well i don't have time to get into that that's just going to go down a whole nother tangent but there's all kinds of things from like handbags to jewelry to uh firearms to swords i mean there's all kinds of ways to diversify in physical and i think if you're going for pop culture um it's comics versus video games and comics is a red ocean it might even be on the decline like sports cards over the last month but I believe that video games still has a little window to get in on some blue ocean pieces where you're not going to get too bloody. So we're going to get higher level here. And the last three bullet points are really related to becoming a master. And, and when I say a master, I'm talking about a sophisticated investor, fully diversified. He's already built a team. He already has 10 years of experience on his team in various areas such as tax, acquisitions, um, sales, marketing, um, portfolio management. He's got a whole team. All the team members have 10 years or more of experience. He also has a CPA, a CFA, a broker. He has a full team around him. He probably has entities. He has an LLC, a corporation. She has a company, a brand. Um, um, and it's a family thing. It's It, it could be partnerships, uh, family trusts, uh, estates that are involved. So here you're at the level of charity, donation, gift giving, legacy, altruism. So these are high level masters thinking about management and transfer of all these diversified assets. So if we're talking about video games, you know, storage and then um, wealth transfer, taxes, um, and, and one of the options like Warren Buffett is going to do, he's going to donate everything to one foundation. And Bill Gates' foundation is going to go ahead and dole that money out over who knows how long. Maybe it'll take 100 years to spend Warren Buffett's war chest. Uh, we don't know. I mean, this is something that we're going we're gonna to watch. This is going to be one of the largest donations ever in the history of mankind. And it will be the largest donation ever based on strictly paper investing, I do believe. So that is one option. Um, I consider that the easy option. Um, it's just simply a, a simple transfer, uh, tremendous tax benefits. There's not a pile of paperwork. 
Whereas if you try to piece it out or, uh, you know, transfer it to other entities or consign it, um, it can be, you know, quite a bit of a team effort uh, on the management side. So if you're not going to donate it to charity or a foundation or maybe a museum or the nonprofit that is it Kelsey that runs Pink Gorilla? I saw her on YouTube the other day. She's into preservation. So that would be prototypes, I do believe. The other option, if you're going to do for-profit, would be build wealth for future generations. So that could be finding a younger blood business partner. It could be simply bringing your kids or grandkids into the business. And then finally, the last thing you need to think about is taxes. And uh, it goes from benefits to acquisitions to sales taxes to offshore to entities to state taxes to... IRS to, uh, and mostly I'm coming from the uh, USA perspective, but uh, globally, I mean, it even gets worse with your VAT and, you know, because they tax every transaction along the supply chain. So um, I've actually moved my business twice because of taxes, and I'm definitely going to put that at the end of the book for those of you that understand how important it is to buy, uh, you know, pieces without sales taxes and keep the fees down and manage your tax benefits at the end of the year for your tax returns and all that. We're at we're at page 10. That's the end of the bullet points for why invest in video games. I think that's the most important piece. Um, I've got about eight minutes left, so I'll keep going. Now, this is a big one, and I keep talking about separators. And um, what do you think, Super Mario? I know you're not an investor, but you have invested a lot of energy and time into joy. And that really is the separator that I think people don't understand about collecting versus investing. And here I've got a whole, oh, oh gosh, I've got, you know, over a page. I can't read the whole thing, but basically I'm going to have to make definitions in the book and it's a rough draft, but I think the 50-50 rule is what it comes down to. And, uh, that's the only way I can do it. And basically, if you're buying a piece and you're buying it for 51% or more personal joy, in other words, nostalgia, usually, um, it could be FOMO. I mean, there could be other emotions, but I think we got to stick to joy because it's Super Mario's birthday, right? And that's what Miyamoto is all about. If you watch his YouTube video, he's an optimist. He's an eternal optimist. And his goal is to bring joy to the gamer. And that's a little different than your typical stockbroker. He's not really trying to bring you joy. But I will argue that investing brings joy in a different way. So we have to define what, what's the, what is this chasm, this war, this battle between collectors and investors? I have said in the past that collectors focus on supply and investors focus on demand. I want to I define that as 51% or more. In other words, when you're buying a piece and you're thinking, how many are out there? How many are out there? How many are out there? Much more than you're thinking about how many people will want this in two or three years. Then you're really a collector mind. But if you're looking at pieces thinking, hmm, I'm thinking about getting rid of this in three to five years through my LLC that's based in this state without any income taxes. I'm thinking about the uh, commissions and insurance and then the storage fees over the next three years. And then I got to think about how many people are going to want this piece, what I need to get to break even or make a little bit. And that brings a little 
different joy. I would call that intellectual joy versus heart joy. And I just came up with that. I, I don't know if this is going to end up in the book, but what I wrote was if you're buying the piece for 51% or more to make money, you are investing. Now, I want to change that to 51% or more for the joy of investing. And I need to figure out what the joy of investing is. It came up on the podcast yesterday because I realized, for example, beating out other bidders as an investor is a joyful experience. It sounds kind of vicious, but I think it goes back to that hunter and gathering instinct that really comes down to, yeah, you're hunting as a team, but who threw the spear that brought down the bison? And that's the guy you hoist over your shoulders. You go back to the campfire and uh, you bring the village all the meat for the next month. And that's to me, that's Michael Jordan. Super Mario, to me, is Michael Jordan winning six championships and having the potential to win eight or ten if things like his father getting murdered didn't happen or baseball, the joy of playing baseball, etc., so the person that throws the spear or, you know, logs in that winning bid at Heritage, that's kind of like the Michael Jordan. But then again, Michael Jordan could not have won those championships without Phil Jackson, Scottie Pittman, Steve Kerr, John Paxson, and all these supporting players that hit key shots at key moments in key games. So without these winning bids and without the base that I'm calling, the new base we're seeing as of uh, September 11th, 2020, we're seeing a new base. This is a stock term where there's a base of investors that have come in and they are paying up and losing. So that's your, that's your team of hunters. They are losing the battles, but the market is winning as everybody comes up and everybody's collection appreciates. What are you seeing on Instagram today? What are you seeing on Facebook? A lot of posts are saying, I'm glad I got this SMB early. I'm glad I got these SMBs. I'm glad I got SMB one, two, and three. Uh, things are coming up. I'm not sure if I'm going to ever you know, be able to, to get one in the future. And people are really grateful, which I think is a great way to play social media is I kind of call it grateful porn. It's basically saying thank you or I'm glad, I'm lucky. Posts like this are positive and that's that's what Mario's all about, a positive vibe. So I think that investing and collecting, here's what I say right here. You can have fun and make money. That's That's what it comes down to. You can have fun and make money. And you know what? You can have fun and lose money as well. I've done it in Las Vegas. I've visited Las Vegas 50 times. I've lived there for years. Um, I've played all kinds of games from darts to roulette to counting cards at blackjack to cribbage. I've been a gamer my whole life. It's not just video games. And half the time you lose, half the time you win. And guess what? You have fun all the time. So don't knock investing and investors don't knock collectors. We need each other. Um, do we have time to move on? We've got three minutes, so let's see what else. We're on page 11. Our video games art. Now, this is a deep subject. Okay, um, 
this is really hard to talk about, but I'll, I'll throw out a few quotes. The director of the Smithsonian American Art Museum, Elizabeth, quote, video game designers are engaged in creating a world as are all artists. So right there, the definition of a video game designer like Miyamoto or even a programmer or a coder, um, because as a team, they're building a world, they are artists. Uh, there's no question about it. You are an artist. Uh, you are all artists if you're involved in creating video games. Now, the question is, what about the actual video games themselves? The act of creating is art. No question down. Hands down, Smithsonian. Now, let's read another um, quote. Senior curator, Museum of Modern Art, Department of Architecture and Design, Paola Antonelli. Are video games art? Question mark. They sure are. Okay, there we go. It's pretty simple. I mean, yes, physical video games are art, and the Museum of Modern Art started collecting video games um, in late 2012, which is eight years ago. Um, the first of the collection included Pac-Man, Tetris, The Sims, Space Invaders, Donkey Kong, Super Mario Brothers, Happy Birthday, 1985. And by the way, when they list video games, they do it just like artwork. They list the name of the game, parentheses, the date, and back parentheses. Because if you know, the definition of an antique is 100 years old or more. And that's the thing about video games. We're still in chapter one in terms of generational history and all that. I mean, we're really not going to know the value of, let's say, Pac-Man 1980 until what? Oh, my gosh. 2080? Will I be alive in 60 years? Probably not. So I'm not going to be able to see uh, an antique video game in my lifetime, but hopefully if you're listening... Sorry for getting cut off. That happens to me quite a bit because I get into the zone and uh, it's Super Mario's birthday, so I couldn't stop at 30 minutes. Um, I'm not sure if we got the art part, our video games art, our physical video games art. Um, I just had one more quote here and... Quote, video game creation is the ultimate art form, end quote, Valerie McLeckie, consignment director, video games at Heritage Auctions. Thank you, Valerie. Um, you're bringing joy to many, many, many collector investors these days. Uh, it's just amazing how every significant piece that uh, brings us a surprise, every Heritage Auction, blows up on social media and gets thrown around the world in the form of pictures, words, videos, hearts, likes, and it creates so much action and joy. And for me, um, watching it all kind of, I guess I'm in media now, um, thank you, because with all this action and news, it really gives me passion, you know, something to do every day that's not just grinding away. Um at work, you know, um, really an alternative that kind of saved my life, um, where I had chased fake joy through, uh, artificial stimulation, um, that wasn't healthy. So I think investing in video games, collecting video games, buying, selling video games, sharing video games, hunting for video games, I think it's healthy. Uh, compared to me doing other things like uh, 
partying and whatnot. And if it's art, then I'm even happier because I think deep down inside, I've always wanted to become an artist. So this book uh, means a lot to me. It could basically help me cross over from small businessman my whole life into kind of artist mode because I do believe that, uh, you know, an author is is an artist, right? Even if it's a business book or a financial book, I'm hoping. But uh, I can't go through the meat of the book. Oh my God, this is long. I, I was going to go to the back of the book and rattle off the, uh, what do we call this, a glossary? Um, um, gosh, 37 pages, 24. I got 13 pages of terms. This is when I kind of started realizing I was in way over my head when I started writing this book. I borrowed from Heritage and WADA to start this list of terms off. And I actually started creating new words. I mean, I'll just pick out P. Let's just pick out P. PlayStation 1. Okay, Parker Brothers, PAL, uh, PayPal, PP, Family and Friends, FNF, Goods and Services, GNS, Packing Games, PIG, PlayStation 1, PS1, PlayStation 2, PS2, PS3, PS4, PS5, Portland Retro, Price Stickers, PS, Store Stickers, SS, Print Run, PR, Print Variants, PV, Promotional Copy, PC, Rare Games, RG. Okay, well, that was quick. We got through P. Maybe we can do this. So this stuff, I don't think, I'm not worried if someone copies this because it's all available online. Um, you can go to Heritage and look at their terms. You can go to uh, WADA, I do believe. And I start alphabetically with one. So I got, we're going to go through the terms. Uh, the most important term is the first term, and it's called a 1A or an FA, and that stands for first appearance. That's the holy grails of investing. Anyway, we're going to move through this. I'm not going to go through the definitions. I'm just going to rattle off the terms. Super Mario, this is kind of like us going for golden coins. We're just going to grab them and move on. Let's go Super Mario Bros mode. We're going to pound through as many pages as we can in 30 minutes. This is for you, Super Mario. Let's grab these coins we're going to call terms. First cover. First unlicensed appearance. 1UA, FUA. First first game. 1G, FG. First in franchise. 1IF, FIF. First printing. 1P, FP. First in genre. 1IG, FIG. First in series. 1IS, FIS. First solo. one uh, G-A-F-G-A. -A. That would be like a Super Famicom Mario. I forgot what that means. First appearance and first in franchise. But first, I guess that's first game A as in first global game. Might have to change that to GG. Two packs, six packs, three versus five screw, abrasion scuff, AC, alternate cover AC, all arcade port, Asian financial crisis, great financial crisis, basis point, BP, 1% is 100, beveled case, big logo, small logo, black box, red box, RB, blocks creases, BC, box ripples, BR, bubbles and bumps, breather holes, BH, collector's edition, CE, CIB, complete in box, complete set, CS, CG, component grades. Condition sensitive CS, corner pokes, CP, cross collectible, CC, crush mark, CM, curvature, cutouts, not for sale, promos, punch outs, dark matter, DM, DC, DD, date code, demo disc, limited editions, factory sealed, Famicom adapters, new in box, NIB, NOS, open, new open box, FMB, fair market value, 
first party, third party, first print, VCS, first game, Frankensteining, game-specific inserts, GSIs, GSS, gold, gray cards, great assist, platinum, his player's choice, first generation, and all the way up to 10th, that's 1G, 2G, 3G, all the way up to 10G, EA, electronic arts, dollar cost averaging, DCA, DVD, vintage age, golden age, silver age, bronze age, tape age, retro age, disc age, high def age, modern age, digital age. That's not the timeline that has to be shaken out into different chapters, hang tab, heritage auctions, high-end, super high-end, ultra high-end, high-end cartridges, high-end video games, high-end consoles, high-end vintage computing, high-end PCs, HEPC, holes, HCNVC, VCM, incorrect, IMP, IG. IG is investment grade here, not Instagram. Key titles, uh, Mario, yeah, duh. Launch franchise, launch title, LTLF, license game, LG, Mar uh, Marvel Game Universe, as opposed to Cinematic Universe. So MGU, Marvel Game Universe, Spider-Man num uh, Spider number one all the way up to, and Spider-Man number one has a FAFIF next to it. So that's first appearance, first in franchise, million M, miscut label, off center. Now, I have a question for you, Dennis, at WADA. Do you grade cover art that's off-center because almost, I come from sports cards where 50-50, really, I mean, if you want a PSA 10, BGS 9.5, which is equivalent to a 9.8 in comics and games, you really want a 50-50 side-to-side, a 50-50 top-to-bottom sports card on the front. On the back, you know, whatever. But I have seen Michael Jordan rookie cards on Heritage go for 100000 that are not 50-50. And from a sports card uh, expert uh, with decades of experience, I don't like that. So I foresee that off-center or miscut labels will not appreciate as much as well-centered, beautiful, crisp labels. I know they're not graded. But aesthetically, I do believe that the most expensive pieces in the long run are going to have centered, clean uh, cover art. Is that what we're going to call it? Or an insert? I guess it's different on boxes. But definitely on the modern or classic insert, uh, you know, PS1 and up, especially PS2, GameCube, uh, that generation, I see a lot of issues uh, buying and selling 25,000 sealed games I've seen. A lot, I mean, almost every game is not 50-50 top to bottom or side to side. I mean, it's it's 60-40, and I see like 90-10, and I see stuff that's wrapped around at the bottom that is just completely off-center. But that's another tangent. Um, we still have time. We're doing good. We're on O. We can get through this. How about that, Super Mario? We are fucking – oops, that's explicit. We're blowing through gold coins, Super Mario. Online arbitrage, OA, only at variance, OAV. In other words, GameStop, Kmart, Target only. Games that only appeared in certain retailers and other situations. I don't know if that applies to uh, the raw stuff like uh, uh, those carts that were used in competition. Um, original art, OA, not for resale, NFR, NTSE, PAL, Parker Brothers, PB. Um PayPal, PP, Family and Friends, FNF, Goods and Services, GNS, Pack and Games, PIG, PlayStation 1. We went over this, didn't we? Yeah, we went over the P's, Rare Games, RG. For example, Stadium Events, we just mentioned Nintendo World Championships, 
games usually refers to cartridges generally, um, but that could change over time. Um, I wrote down the definition of 100 copies or less, but I just saw a post yesterday on Facebook groups. Uh, someone said, is that rarer than a cart? And they were talking about a WADA graded new NIB or CIB. And I was like, whoa, we're comparing population reports of something raw versus box. That's interesting. But yeah, when the numbers come out, people are going to start looking going, hmm, should I get a stadium raw cart or should I go for the CIB where there's less than 100? So let's just say rare games are uh, below 100 and ultra rare games are below 10. And, and then no, super rare below 10. Ultra rare would be something like one of one, um, kind of like the uh, the racing cart that I uh, cried and had a spiritual event over in the last episode. Um, Art and Senna, bless your soul. Carol Shelby, bless your soul. Both of you rest in peace forever. Thank you for bringing us so much joy in racing and uh, automotive excellence and winning. Sealed post manufacturing, SPM, that would be uh, reseals. We can't get into that right now. We still have to move along. Retail arbitrage, RA, seal of quality, SOQ, seal rating, SR, sticker seal, SS, short printed, SP, super short printed, SSP, less than 10 pieces. I'm borrowing this from sports cars. This could change. Short printed, less than 100, one of one, 101, uh, the one in the world. Tension holes. TH, pulls, TP, test cart, TC, test market, TMKT, test sticker, TS, test variation, TV, trademark, TM, unlicensed game, UG, registered trademark, R, round seal, RS, mat sticker, MS, claw sticker, GS, tears, takedown, grades, variant, V, wholesale arbitrage, WA, WADA, WADA, well, that's obvious, WADA games, WADA, uh, NES, Nintendo Entertainment System, Famicom, um, N64, SNES, UMD, 400, 800. Is that it? Wow. I can't believe we blew through that. That's amazing. That was really great. That was a speed run. Super Mario, happy birthday. There's your speed run. Uh, we just blew through a list of terms that I researched in pounded out somewhere in early to mid 2020 i believe i don't know exactly when i started this file it doesn't give me the date does it if anyone out there is an expert on microsoft word and can tell me when this file was created i would like to know i'm sure i could right click on it um and then since i have more time after our speed run what did you think super mario what did you think of all those terms thanks to you saving the video game industry and thanks to you bridging the gap from collecting to investing because you are the one that can jump from collecting into investing and still give us joy i'm telling you mario without you where would we be at so i've got some uh i've got some private emails here from like a guy who wrote the textbook called the Video Games Textbook History Business Technology. Now, if you want to really go deep into video games, um, here's who you want to talk to. This guy teaches at the university level. He's a professor of communication. So in media, I guess he's teaching a class on video games. And I believe his textbook is hundreds of pages an hour. 
um, uh, no, not an hour, uh, hundreds of pages. And it took him 1300 hours to do his textbook. I got an email from him right now. Uh, his name's Dr. Brian W A R D Y G A. Um, you can find his book probably on Amazon. Um, he says the outline is the hardest part. And like I said, I didn't do that yet. I mean, I've got 37 pages of notes basically, but, uh, he said with an outline, you can, if you're trying to write a book, this is for you. You can send out your proposal with an outline and maybe a couple chapters. So you don't have to write all the chapters, but yeah, 1300 hours. That's scary. I think when I heard that I, I got a little scared because there were no game investing books out there. Because normally when you're trying to sell a script to Hollywood, you're going to say something like, well, this is a cross between Blade Runner and uh, the Pac-Man movie or something, you know. It's like, well, I can't say that. I can't say this is a cross between a Heritage Auctions catalog and an eBay listing. You know, I can't really do that. So hopefully the podcast and you guys are going to help me write this book. Um, if any of you want to be part of the book as an interview or, uh, help me with research or give me terminology or definitions or separators, I'm always trying to separate things, separate the timeline into chapters, separate genres, separate, uh, you know, anything and everything we can. So if you do want to become a master, uh, a video game investing master, here is my list so far of sources. And we do have time to go through this. Um, an illustrated history of 151 video game hardcover by Simon Parkin. I actually love that book. I have it on the couch. When I want to go analog mode, I shut my phone off, turn my computer off, and I go read Super Mario over and over and over again. And I always look at the Night Driver picture because, man, I loved that game in the 70s. The Video Game Textbook, History, Business, and Technology by Dr. Brian, the guy we just talked about. That would be kind of like a Bible. If you're looking for a major in school, um, you would have to go to this one university called LaSalle University in, in Massachusetts. I do believe nerdy girls out there in Boston. I've always wanted to visit Boston. I'm going to visit Boston. Me and my wife want to take a cruise that departs Boston, but what's the deal with Florida and like Boston? I get a feeling like those two areas are going to lead the world in video game, uh, you know, jumping, doing the Mario hop from collecting to investing. So if I was a young kid, I would definitely apply to the communications program. I would do a double major in business and communications at LaSalle University, and I would knock on the door of Dr. Brian and uh, get his textbook, go to the bookstore, get the used textbook, read the whole thing and start thinking about if you want to become a master's student and writing your thesis on something that you're passionate about and go deep because, man, I don't have that book, but I want it bad. If anyone wants to give me a gift, send me the video game, the video games textbook history. Man, um, I'll take a used copy beat to heck. I don't care. So let's go to sources. Here we go. More ridiculous prices being paid for water graded. Okay, that's just, uh, that's probably something you're going to have to Google. Then I got something like a population report. Supply and demand, 9.2 CIBs. 
analysis, silver certificates. Okay, baby boomers. That's something that's interesting is a generational thing. I really do see this being driven by millennials right now, usually in the 40 to 45 uh, year old range of demographics seems to be middle to upper class male. Um, I do see a lot of fathers involved as well, well, which may be getting closer to my age in early 50s, but I'm clearly a different generation. I'm the type of person that's a DIY type of guy. That's why I'm doing the podcast and the writing is I'm not a sophisticated investor that can build a team because of my mental illness. So the millennials are, are masters at community, building teams, building groups, uh, supporting each other, going in one direction, sharing information. So they are really tuned in to really portfolio management. And that can range from trading, um, upgrading, offloading, acquisitions, shipping, insurance. So millennials are leading the charge. Florida is leading the charge. Um, Boston's leading the charge. Uh, East Coast shop over there, Virginia, Texas. Um, The question is, what about the future generations? What about the little brothers and sisters? What about the grandkids? Baby boomers is a question mark. Atari's hit and miss, although this last auction round was really strong across the board. I'm not sure if that's baby boomers and my generation. My generation's totally quiet. We don't like to stand out. We don't like big brands splashed across our chest. Um, We just kind of like, you know, we're kind of like Keanu Reeves. We just wear sunglasses. We do our own thing. We don't like being in the limelight. And I think that we're going to have to lead. I guess I'm going to have to lead someday, but I'm going to need help from the millennials. And uh, for us to completely jump all the way down to generation Y, Z, and whatever's next, I guess it's going to have to be me and then millennials kind of handing it off to the next generation. And that's kind of why this podcast appeals to me because it's evergreen content. Um, It's on multiple websites, whereas YouTube, you're pretty much stuck to Google. Um, But I just got a notification from Anchor that we're now on a fifth website. And by the way, I'm not on iTunes because uh, the first day I uploaded the first episode, or I didn't, Anchor uploaded my episode to iTunes along with a ton of other uh, podcast sites. And it immediately got rejected because the first uh, podcast episode art I used was Mario. And somehow Apple knew that that was a trademarked image. And uh, even though I'm nonprofit ad free, um, I think maybe Apple blacklisted me. Did you, Apple? Please let me come back. I bought Apple shares. I'm an owner in your company. Please bring back the game investing podcast. I changed the cover art and I'm operating under, uh, you know, the First Amendment freedom of speech commentary and, uh, uh, you know, commentary and education. There's no profit. So, uh, you know, this should be okay. We've got nine minutes left. Let's go back to the sources. Um, this is a this is another Bible for you, uh, you know, Keanu Reeves DIY fans out there, if you're an Atari guy like me, this is your Bible if you want to learn about variations. It's by Phil Flound, P-H-I-L-F-L-O-U-N-D, 
Atari 2600 label variations. You can Google that or go to videogamevariations.com backslash Atari label list dot doc dot PDF. That is 10 times longer than the fabled black box variation PDF at WADA Games by Dennis and his team. You want to talk about variation holy grails? Uh, I think Superman has over 10. So that list has all the variations from the cartridges to the manuals to the boxes. Thank you, Phil Flound. Um, I consider this a source, even though uh, most of the community is negative. And I think as a media guy doing nonprofit, everybody has a seat at the table. Certified collectibles, certified investments. Um, those are both uh, the main sources on YouTube right now. Um, no, reserved investments. That's the one that receives a lot of negativity. But you know what? I watch his stuff because he's an expert across the board. If you pull up your heritage catalog and flip through the back and look at all the areas that he knows about, he's a master across the board. So I would consider him a generalist. He's not an expert in video games, but he's a generalist in the collectible trade. And he does have knowledge and expertise. And I consider an expert anyone that's been doing it for 10 years. He's been doing it for decades. So he has nuggets that uh, I will use in the book and I do use on the podcast. So reserved investment, shout out to you. Now, um, certified collectibles is a long time, I do believe, generally a dealer, but I consider them more of a wholesaler, submitter. Um, they're well connected in the video game trade and, and I consider them Atari experts. Um, you can find them on YouTube, Certified Collectibles, and they have a lot of unboxing WADA stuff. And he he helped me out a lot on the glossary because he he really broke down all the imperfections that you would find on a typical, uh, you know, early 80s, maybe even late 70s Atari box. Stuff like corner pokes, etc. So shout out to you, Certified Collectibles. Chasing Ghosts Beyond the Arcade. Uh, there's some beautiful uh, um, documentaries out there. I've watched a ton of them. Collectors are spending thousands on video games they'll never play. Shout out to the uh, Florida Dentist. I think you're in there. Or either Joshua, right? You're both from Florida, aren't you? Game Collection Master List. That's a Google Doc. Uh, game On, History of Video Games. I believe that's a book. Game Totals at VGC Chats. That's VG charts.com i think the doctor the professor recommended that uh, i recommend gamestop annual reports if you're an investor uh gamestop is a great annual report if you want to get your warren buffett on uh read that one i've read through it it's interesting um it's not really detailed in terms of what specifically is selling on the physical side but it gives you a good financial overview of one big large piece of the industry the Glossary of Terms at WADA is also a really good source. WADAgames.com backslash uh, glossary. Um, and then that goes along with heritage auctions, video game collecting terms, ha.com backslash information backslash video game glossary. High score on Netflix was awesome. I'm sure you've all seen that. Um, and another one I liked was the interview with Dennis Kahn by Scoop. Um, you can Google that main event. And then uh, Nerdy Girl has an interview with Dennis on YouTube. So just look at Nerdy Girl's channel. And uh, I think it's a live one. 
It goes for an hour and a half, maybe two. There's the Overstreet Guide, which is a thin magazine size uh, book I bought, uh, 2017 by Carrie Wood. That's kind of a, a, it's got some good separators in there. It kind of, you know, it has an article on genres. It has an article on uh, NES, an article on Atari. It's actually quite good. And, and it's the team is experts uh, coming from the comics and other other realms. Playing to win. Um, I don't know what this is, a magazine? I don't know if I ordered this. Playing to win the Intelligent Collector magazine. Hmm. Um, WADA Games articles such as the one by Mark, important IMP improvement. Q&A with Valerie McLecky. Now, if you're going to get into consignment with uh, Heritage, there's a nice article that uh, asked Valerie. I think that might be the one where she tells us her childhood uh, holy grail that she got graded that she'll never sell. Um, should I drop which one it is? No, you can go look for yourself. It's Antiques and Hearts. Um, video game, the movie on YouTube, the video game textbook again by Dr. Brian, retro gaming from Atari to Zelda by Mike Diver, Kindle book, um, the Smithsonian art of video games. It is a new, it's a news release. Um, you'd have to dig around their site. I don't have time to give the, uh, HTTP. It's too long. I got two minutes left. We got the video game history foundation. That's a great website for history, gamehistory.org. Um, there's a YouTube video. Wow, hosted by Tony Hawk. I remember this one. The documentary, History of a Global Obsession, Video Games 14 in the Collection for Starters, Collections and ex Exhibitions Design, MoMA. Wow, that's a big-time heavy hitter. Yeah, the road. I wrote, grew up on a dead-end road, and I think someone who's a director up there bought the house next to the one I grew up. I mean, my dad paid like 70 grand for our junky little farmhouse, and I think they paid like $1.5 or something. Now, that's joy when you're an investor, when you get in early, right? Um, reserved investments at MoMA. Collector's Handbook at HA. That's for, you know, wealth preservation. World Video Game Hall of Fame, the Strong National Museum of Play. Now, that's a heavy hitter when it comes down to a video game preservation and actual exhibitions, interactive stuff. And I heard they're open after Corona. The Library of Congress has video games, an interview with David Gibson. That is a really good article. Um, and here's an interesting uh, little thing on YouTube. Why organizing is so much more fun in video games by Polygon. Um, and that about does it. There we go. We, we did a speed run through my 37-page uh, book in the making. And that's your present, Super Mario. Happy birthday. Thanks to you, look at all that value I dropped for free. Literally, you can write a book with the two episodes that I gifted to Super Mario and the community. I'm following Gary Vaynerchuk's uh, strategy on social media. Shout out to you, Gary. I'm giving it all away for free. Just like Tesla gave away the patents for a lot of their tech and their uh, early electric motors, I think. They just gave it away. Here you go, Toyota. Here you go, GM. Try to beat us in an electric car. So I guess I'm saying, go ahead, write a book on game investing. If you can't finish it and you want to collaborate with me, you know what? Someday I am going to have to build a team. Uh, I've tried to build a team like 10 or 12 or 20 times in my life. The only team I was successful building was my first business called Altered Shot in uh, Isla Vista. I started a little card shop. 
for basketball cards in 91. The team is still intact today, but financially it didn't work out. So I got to figure out how to build a team and somehow pay the bills. For now, it's all free. Enjoy.